What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is a very special one. We are joined by True Hoops' Henry Abbott, a longtime Blazer fan and a longtime NBA reporter who's been covering the league incisively and excellently for a long time. We're really excited to have you here, Henry. How you doing? I am great, thank you. What's going on there? Oh, well, you know, because we've been dealing with it offline, I got all types of tech problems. I'm just living the, I'm living tech hell. But other than that, it's a beautiful Friday. Uh, you know, the Blazers are winning games and looking like a competent playoff team again, which uh, makes at least makes the podcast more fun, if nothing else. So actually, I did a fun thing. Um, I, I read that Kevin Love had like a minus 45, I think, against the Blazers, yeah. which was close to a record. And so I was like, let me just go watch a little video and just watch Kevin Love just to sort of see if it was an anomaly or a distinctive lack of effort, right? And um, <laughs> for sure, I'm in the distinctive lack of effort camp. K-Love gets those. K-Love gets those where it's just like, hey, I don't think you did your job very well today, bud. And he's pretty good at the like, I'm doing a hand gesture, kind of wide hands, like, wait, I thought you were supposed to get him kind of thing after the defensive miscommunication, where in fact, what happened was he just stood still. First of he all, watched. he's like on the perimeter guarding Mr. Little a lot of the time, which is a weird, you know, I'm not sure why I understand that to begin with. But um, but so this is the guy they're going to leave to like stop Damien at the rim, right? Right. But he just, he, he, so he leaves Nasir, but not to stop Damien. He just leaves Nasir to like <laughs> sort of exist in a different part of the court, <laughs> where, which ends with a blazer bucket and Kevin kind of looking at some other younger player who's like, why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that his campaign to join the hometown team really takes a hit when, um, you know, his, I don't know if Carmelo Anthony is his peer, but in some ways he is, is like, um, at least like competent and better at passing off bad defense than uh, than Kevin is. He's better. He's better at the act. He definitely is. Yeah. He didn't used to be though, right? I felt like he's improved mightily at this uh, sort of hustle oh, yeah. around a bit. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he 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 had to humble himself to be like, let's. Here's I gotta. I have to. You know, I have to appear to be efforting on this end of the court because um, otherwise you just you don't get you know you don't get a job. You're unemployed. I I. I Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm under the impression that now and again during this strange season in big moments of of tight games, um, Carmelo Anthony has been subbed in for defense. He's definitely been subbed in for the end of he was subbed in recently. They did like an offense defense sub and then they just said screw it and left him in for defense and and kept him on the court during four straight important defensive possessions. And I yeah. believe there was one two weeks ago where they they literally did just go with him on defense over uh it might have been I want to say it was Rocco, which is really weird. But yeah, they it, um t- you know, there is there is a custodians of his legacy part where the Blazers are, you know, letting, you know, giving Mello yeah. these minutes. And then there's just like trust, like the but the coaching staff just trusts Mello in a way that I don't totally get. I mean, he seems like a great guy. Um, and, I mean, and, he's cool as hell in my in my interactions with him. I have loved covering him. He's he looks you in the eye. He answers questions. Honestly, he is. He's Carmelo freaking Anthony. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's basketball stuff, too. I really I, I genuinely think he's like a wise dude. Like I mm-hmm. was, I think CJ McCollum's podcast. I think he was on it when the league shut down. I think that's, it was, a, and his immediate perspective 
was like the best I heard. At that time, the whole world was melting, right? It was like, everything's not normal anymore. No one knows how to think. And like Carmelo's words were the ones that were most soothing to me, right? Like, yeah. like I genuinely, and frankly, I'll be totally honest, like, like maybe this is a more awkward take in Portland, but as someone who grew up there and loves the team, like the problem with the Trailblazers as a franchise is that it's seen as a very, very white town, right? Like sure, Carmelo is, you know, Carmelo an empowered black man who can decide where he wants to live, like going there and being happy there is meaningful. And coming back, coming back yeah. to Portland. Yeah, like it's meaningful. It is like this checks a box that has been unchecked <laughs> for this franchise, <laughs> right? Like, and um, so I, I, I'm very happy he's there. I'm very happy he's happy. I'm happy that the players seem to like him. Um, but yeah, as you point out, like there's definitely moments of like, oh, buddy, I wish you could have gotten over there across the lane. <laughs> you know? Like that would have yeah. been so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's it's when you're like when you're on the beat or whatever, and you're just like you're in the locker room way too many times, and you have to write what seems like the same story again, or so, or a different version of the story. It is so, um, you you know, you get go tos. You just get guys you go to. Like, man, yeah. I don't have it. And it, yeah. when they brought in Mello to have that go to to be like, well, he'll say something. Like, I'll go, I'll go talk to him because he'll tell me something. Like, I'll get, I'll get something out of him, some perspective or whatever after a bad loss or kind of like. Increasingly, the hardest thing on the beat is writing about meaningless wins. Um, it's like, so you beat the Pistons. How what was Sekou Dumboya like? Like that's you know it's. Um, <laughs> And and Mello would be my go-to because I'm like I'll I can whatever happens here Mello will give me something that will be a story and uh, so I I'm appreciative of him just from a professional standpoint. What what do you go along with my like he's wise theory? Like, oh, that... absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. He's like he does seem a little bit like um, like someone who. Uh, I don't know, like reads a lot of Wikipedia articles. He's like, de he's like deep in the sort of like, uh, uh, internet philosophy of life, I think is the best way to put it. Like he had the <laughs> okay. whole thing about how, how like double zero was infinite and infinite as all these things. He's like, he's like spiritual and sort of this, like, I, I don't want to call it new age. Cause that's like not the right term, but sort of like new wave or something like that. Um, but he is like, he's, in, he's incredibly, um, he just has incredible perspective. Like he just has an incredible perspective. Um, and that comes off when he's, whether I'm asking him about a 19 year old rookie for the Pistons or if he's talking about sort of life in a global pandemic, it's, it's definitely, it, um, it, it, it's obvious when you, when you chat with him. I'll tell you, there's one other thing about professional athletes that like occurs to me when I listen to CJ talking to Carmelo at the beginning of a pandemic, which is we're all aware of like what we're supposed to be doing that we're not doing, right? You're supposed to like, you know, whatever, you don't want to drink as much coffee or beer or whatever, or you want to work out more or you think you should meditate, right? And like, mm -hmm. I think if you're at their level of achievement, they're pretty much doing the stuff that they're supposed to do. Right, right, like, right. Yeah. like, And they both, you know, as soon as this moment arrives on that podcast, they're both they like, you know, disclosing that one of the ways they'll handle it is with their already existent regular meditation schedule, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh God, I didn't really get to that. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Sorry. My, my day of reading, uh, you know, basketball statistics, I did not, I was not able to find time work in a meditation practice. And I just feel like, like I'm sloppier. My approach is sloppier than theirs, which is, you know, one of the reasons I'm not playing in the NBA right now. But yeah, um, maybe, but you maybe do, res do respect the hustle. Like it's hard work to, be oh, on I mean, it's, things. yeah. I mean, just the, the sort of like, physical and mental maintenance that you have to do. I mean, some yeah. of it is like, I don't have a chef. Um, so sometimes I eat poorly because I don't hey, What are you doing no one... without a chef? What the hell? 
I know. Well, unfortunately, hopefully the the true hoop boost on this podcast will just send it through the roof, and then I will gotcha. get a chef. Totally. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, there's sometimes that I maybe eat don't eat as healthy because there isn't anyone I can be like, hey, I'm gonna need to watch my macros or whatever on this meal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely that. But there's a discipline that I also just don't. There's a basic discipline I just don't have. Sorry, yeah, didn't d- don't have it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do. I really respect it. Like the, I mean, think about it. If you knew somebody in your regular life who was as physically fit as Damian Lillard, right? You'd be like, that guy just at the gym all the time, right? He'd be yeah. kind of a weirdo. And then on top of that, he's like, you know, in the conversation for best shooter of all time, like also, right? In addition <laughs> to like whatever knuckle pushups he's doing or kickboxing or whatever craziness it takes to be as fit as he is, right? Like, like that's a lot. That's a that's a yeah. lot. And he's a parent. All you know, it's just it's a these people. I it just yeah, and he has hobbies yeah. outside of that, which is the funniest part. It's like not only does he do all the sort of body and physical maintenance and all these things, and also like resting the really sort of important physical maintenance you have to do of like not doing stuff. He has hobbies. You know, he's he's making movies in the summertime and rap sure. albums. Like um, he pursues hobbies like wholly, not in the way that I pursue hobbies. Where I'm like, I'll try that for a week. Yeah, and I I don't know. There was a little stat today about how like home court advantage is like at an all time low this year. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted something about like, oh, I guess that's a sign of um, you know, fans matter, which is just like my first guess. And then like a flood of responses were basically like, no, it's just because like the road COVID protocols make it so everybody can't party. Right. And like, I, right. You know, I'm a 46 year old man. I've been covering the NBA my whole life. Like, yes. When I first started covering the league, there was a fair amount of like hungover players. Right. But right. we have got to move on from that idea, right? Like these yeah. are the people at the party who like are have water in the beer cup because they want to look like they're partying, even though really they just want to get home so they can be fresh for their shooting workout at 6 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? and, and so much of the sort of like staying out late. I remember back in the the, uh, the one of the early Cavs LeBron finals, there was like a whole thing about how, um, you know, people were out at the casino late at night or whatever. And it was right. like, it's because it, it's two in the morning and these guys have crazy schedules. Like they right. just, they need, they need something to do until three because it's like they're used to flying into a city, getting to the airport at two 30, getting to the hotel at three and then kind of like winding down. So it's like, they right. just, they, they stay up late. They have weird right. schedules. And there is some partying, but like, it's, you know, less than everybody else, you know, <laughs> Right, right, exactly, (laughs) exactly. All right, let's take a quick break and uh, come back in the second segment and talk a little bit more about home court advantage uh, and the Blazers getting fans back at the Moda Center and the like. But before we do that, let's talk about betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to place bets on all your sports action. You can get the latest news, odds, and info on all your sports betting needs on BetOnline, which could include... Major League Baseball, National Basketball Association, the National Hockey League, and all the UFC MMA action that you want to wager on. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. As basketball and hockey teams prep for their playoff runs and baseball hits its stride in the summer months. So head on over to the website, betonline.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is betonline.ag, the promo code is LOCKEDON, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
All right. Still chatting here with Henry Abbott of True Hoop. Um, do you, what do you make of, like, the Blazers are going to have fans. Friday, the first, um, the first time all year, they're the last team that wants to have fans that's going to have one, and there was kind of some political hullabaloo about that here. And maybe even Damian Lillard, like, not even maybe, I'm pretty sure Damian Lillard tweeted this into existence by saying, we're not going to have fans, and then the governor's office in Oregon was like, oh no, we can't upset Dame. Um, and so they, you know, within 24 hours, the Blazers' request to have fans was back. But do you, I mean, you know, do you think like fans make a real impact? Cause my gut is like that they don't, but it seems like with the, the stat you tweeted and like sort of your gut instinct that they might. So I think I, I've done like a stupid amount of like asking players questions about this kind of, like, and like, I think that like for some players, it's, it makes a huge difference. Right. And I don't know who, right. But it seems like some players just love that idea of like the feeling of you dunk the ball and the whole place erupts. And then, that's that. That's why they play. Other people are totally motivated by like they want to avenge a grandfather who died or whatever, right? And you know, so I think for some players it makes a big difference. I think we saw in the bubble that like it, it reshuffled the deck, and there's some sure. suddenly suddenly Tyler, Tyler Hero is like I'm totally comfortable here. I love this. I don't need any motivation from fans, right? And and you know, twelve other players were not. But anyway, so yeah, I think it's we're probably gonna find like somebody loves it. Yeah, I and feel like Yusuf Nurkic. said something about it, right? He said, like, you know, it's dead building or whatever, right? Like, he seems like he's one of the people who cares. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I feel like Yusuf Nurkic is going to be someone who, it, mm-hmm. my my theory is that he's a guy who needs the fans, but he's also been playing his best basketball of maybe his career over the last two weeks. So he'll be a nice case study. Like, does he does this continue and does he get, like, a little bump? Or um, or actually are the fans, like, a distraction that he's un, he's, like, unaware of and that he plays worse now when they're back in the arena? He was, it's funny, I think that, I don't, you would know more than me, but like, to me, the other best stretch he's ever had was, was in the bubble, right? Like, yeah. the, the probably, end of the regular Probably season. like literally right before he broke his leg. It was yeah. like the, that 10 days. And then obviously he came back and he was awesome in the bubble. Um, and then now, now, like those are his three best stretches. But like, if one of them is the controlled environment and the other one is this, is like the mostly empty gyms, maybe... Maybe um, some of the evidence suggests Nurk needs less fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or maybe they're just uncorrelated, right? Maybe they're right. Just, like, yeah, I mean that's the most likely scenario. Yeah, I I'm excited though. I think that um, you know, no fans to a few fans is the most important jump, right? Sure, <laughs> like, sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, you know, I'm happy for, if Dame's happy. I'm happy. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. Well, speaking <laughs> of that, I wanna I wanna ask you like. Um, in your in your sort of public life, you have been an incisive and thoughtful journalist. But in your private life, when you are watching a Blazer game, are you a hoot and holler type? Like, what kind of um, what kind of fan are you? Yeah, I would. So I would love to be like you know in a sports bar, not in a pandemic, right? That'd be fun for me. But uh, the reality is, it's the East Coast, and I'm usually in the dark, alone in my living room. My whole family's asleep by the time the Blazer game starts, and. <laughs> I'm uh, weirdly, honestly, like uh, this time of year, I'm mostly just like, where's Nasir Little? Where's Harry Giles? Where's Anthony Simons? Because I don't want, you know, Dame and uh, CJ to get hurt by playing too many minutes. You know, I just want them. I want young people running around, burning up minutes so that Damien can be. I don't want him to be like Steve Nash with the Phoenix Suns, right? I want him to make like go right. crazy hard and then burn out in the playoffs, like which he did last year, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, it's Terry has really leaned in um, to this sort of eight-man rotation recently because he knows that they need to make the playoffs and need and they probably need to avoid the play-in and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I'm sure that some of you has really hated the last couple weeks when everyone plays 37 plus minutes, and then the only way you get to the uh, Nazir Little Harry Giles pairing is if the Blazers blow out a really bad team. Yeah, I'm. It stresses me out. It does. I, I, I. I'm a big advocate of every team this year with a star has not had the star for every game, right? Right. And so you're going to look at the AU, so you had your star for 60 games, 50 games, whatever it is, right? If you'd started the season scheduling that star for your 50 or 60 games, you would have a much fresher player right now. Like, so instead what we do is we just redline them until they get hurt. And then we rest, then they recover as little as possible and then you throw them back out there. And so they get to the playoffs all beat up. It's like, no, just, I mean, I know we've talked about this with um, uh, Kawhi, et cetera, but like whether we need to call it load management or not, but I feel like the human body can't take the schedule. So plan for that rather than be Particularly surprised. this year, particularly the, yeah, like of all, of all year. the years to sort of plan for it, you knew it was going to be crazy compressed. In fact, we scheduled this podcast when I was saying like, Henry, will you, you know, join me on the show? Right. Uh, you know, there's five games in seven days. So yeah. we have a really narrow window of when I'm going to be available to do this kind of thing. Yeah, it's really crazy, right? And then like I've seen, um, they've done blood tests on front office employees who travel on the NBA mm-hmm. schedule. And even they get like scary health risk blood numbers. Wow. So like so you know like 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 shorten your life kind of blood numbers just from the lack of sleep and the travel, right? So like it it just seems to me like I this year there was one advantage, which was um they made the road trips more efficient, right? So you'd come sure. home for like at one point I think they were home for like 20 days, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. uh and I'm like, okay, well, now you could literally say to Damien, like, go to the beach with your family for a week, right? Like, right. really rest, which is what you have to do to, like, actually get, like, soft tissue recovery, right? Like, um, go for a jog, right? All these kind of stuff. And, um, you know, but of course they didn't, right? Of course, nobody thinks that way. Everyone thinks you're going to get fired if you have 13 seconds, you're not going full bore. So it's like... And you might. That's the thing. It's, it's like a sprint. Yeah, you might. I mean, it's uh, it's... It is a results-based business, and there's so many people who are preserving their jobs that um, you might as well, you know, players, coaches, executives, all that. So, like, you know, the the culture has created the maximize every 13-second window. Meanwhile, the one solid example we have of a coach who's, like, absolutely not done that, right, is the Spurs' heyday. Popovich would rest his guys for whole games. Right. And if they were, you know... If there was if either team had a big lead, his starters were never coming back no matter what happened in the game, right? With those two things, they'd finish the season with like a thousand fewer minutes on Tim Duncan and Tony Parker than the top players in the league. And uh, and they'd win championships. So like and and we would write about this at ESPN. And like, you know, I remember at one point an official from the Pistons saying to me, like, oh man, like they are so lucky that they get to that they don't have to win games, so they get to do that. I'm like, <laughs> what the actual fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah. do you know how many games they win? <laughs> they literally win. They literally win 60% of their games every single year for two decades. <laughs> and by the way, like, um, this is a little trickier to tease out, but like, there is data that your like, you know, fresh Matt Bonner or whoever you're playing is actually a better basketball player, more effective than exhausted you know, 
whatever, whoever at that era would have been like Nuggets, Camelo Anthony, right? right? Like, like we have a hard time measuring it, but like they won those games in part because they were playing their bench, right? Because like this is a part of the reason I'm rooting for Nasir Little is because I think we're going to be better when he comes in because he is not exhausted. Totally. Well, is there something to be said for the opposite now? Is that the Blazers are, are kind of uh, saving Nazir Little for the playoffs? Now he's going to really have all the gas in his tank because he hasn't played for you know regularly for a month? Do you believe he's going to play long minutes in the playoffs? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. I mean, I'm just trying to... I'm, I don't even know if I'm advocating for the devil. I'm, I'm maybe just advocating for Nazir. Like, yeah. it's... Yeah, like, obviously, it's not going to work that way. So, but but I guess maybe in What theory, happened with Derek Jones Jr., by the way? Like, what? Like, did he piss somebody off or something? Like, what happened? Like, I why? think Terry never liked him. I think Terry wow. never... He's he, he saw this guy play, and he said that he's, he's not good. And as soon as he had had a reasonable replacement because I don't think he really trusts Nas either and he probably uh, it seems like when they signed Derek Jones the front office came down from on high said he's going to start here's what we're going to do we're going to recreate Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless with you know better versions mm-hmm. of those two players and all that and Terry said this sucks and I hate it and the moment he had a chance to go the other way he did and then he buried DJ because I just I just don't think he trusts him I don't, from what I understand there's there's no there's no beef for discipline or anything like that this is just like the coach being like not my guy get him out of here I, but so, I mean, maybe I'm uh, taking the hijacking the conversation here a little bit. Like, part of me is like, okay, so you're going to end up in the playoffs with some megastar, you know, who needs to be defended a lot of different possessions, a lot of different ways, by a lot of different people. Like, he's going to play. Right? I mean, if like, they play, so like, best case scenario for the Blazers, right, is that they end up like with um, Phoenix, you know, like the, yeah. a team without a giant wing. Um, but, I still think Derek Jones might end up being your best option to guard Devin Booker for long stretches. Yeah. I mean, he's good at that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 there's some, somebody did a little breakdown of like who has spent the most possessions like actively on the ball guarding superstars. This was like halfway through the season and he was way up there. Yeah. And he was second exactly- in the league by, uh, I think it's, basketball impact i'm not i think i don't want to credit the wrong people but i believe they did a thing like high usage most time spent on the other team's highest usage player and Derek jones jr was number two in the league like he yeah he got early on every single high usage assignment was his right and And now that's norm drawn possessions all the whatever and i'm like this like it's a thing that this team will definitely use in the playoffs right and i know it's a little clunky on offense but but uh, it just doesn't seem likely to me that we're going to play uh, only one competent defender. <laughs> yeah, I mean the bench, the bench, the bench right now is three of the worst defenders in the NBA. Yeah, with uh, like they're playing an eight-man rotation, and the and the guys coming off the bench are Carmelo Anthony, Ennis Cantor, and Anthony Simons, and. Um, I don't think you can win a playoff series if that's your three dudes off the bench. Um, as good as as Cantor and, and Melo have been, you know, they're both really have been really good offensive players. But you have to play on the other end at a high level to to beat a team four times in the playoffs, and uh, that that might that might mean um, you know breaking the glass on Derek Jones, who has been uh, you know w- well rested, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. That's um. You know, to me, this like 10, 11 player rotation is just much more appealing, right? Because you just, 
you might the way playoff series go, right? Like somebody's playing banged up, somebody's out entirely, somebody's in foul trouble, right? Everybody's going way deeper than they want to by the time you get to like game five, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's all, I mean, even if the Blazers uh, Western Conference Finals playoff run, it was like Evan Turner hadn't played in two months and then they need him for game six and game seven to beat the Nuggets because weird stuff happens. All right, let's come back in the third segment and close out uh, this show. Talk a little about the Blazers playoff chances and, and the rest of the West, et cetera, et cetera. But before we do that, let's talk about Bill Barr. I've been telling y'all about Bill Bar forever and nothing's changed. It's still the best tasting protein bar in the market and the best tasting protein bar ever. Has nine delicious flavors plus occasional limited time flavors. So make sure you're checking out the website for some for some part timers. Uh, and listen, there's really no such thing as a bad Bilt Bar flavor, but there are ones that I prefer a little bit more than the others, like peanut butter brownie or double chocolate or salted caramel. But there's there's really something for everybody. Uh, you know, if you're into the fruit flavors, cherry and raspberry, if you're a coconut person, they got a coconut almond and a coconut without nuts, just straight up coconut. Um, you're, you can't go wrong. Like, I, I've, I've literally tried every single one they're offering, and they, I, I enjoy all of them. But... You know, you're going to make some favorites. My favorites happen to be peanut butter brownie because I love peanut butter and chocolate. So uh, you can get a mixed box when you do this. And that way you'll be able to get two of each flavor, um, all nine flavors. You get 18, 18 bars in that box and you get to try them out, figure out what's your favorite and order more from there. Uh, if if you're if the deliciousness doesn't sell you, uh, how about this? They're all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Each bar has at least 17 grams of protein and only four net carbs it's they're good and good for you so listen go get yourself some they're, they're great go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked 15 you'll get 15 percent off your next order that's locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com still a pass first point guard Still Mike Richmond, you're still listening to Locked on Blazers. And we're still chatting here with Henry Abbott of True Hoop. Kind of on the the same note as as uh, you know, the Blazers and Rest and all the options they'll need in the playoffs. Do, do you view like do you view the West as wide open or do you think it's um do you think it's kind of a closed circuit and there's just a handful of teams that could actually win the championship? I'm super nervous to n- not pick LeBron for anything ever. You know, like how many yep. times have we learned yep. this lesson? <laughs> yep. Um, so my default is like just LeBron, 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 LeBron. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of a data guy and you look around and you say the Jazz are the, just the best team in the league, right? Um, yeah. I've been all year. It's not, you know, it's not even that close. Uh, the Suns are, I believe, really, really good. And I don't actually believe you have to be like, last year's champion to be considered for this year's championship right like right like yeah you know that's that you know the suns are totally real um probably the clippers are like the are they the vegas favorites right now um yes they are they are at least according to uh sponsor of this podcast betonline.ag yeah okay so that's <laughs> legit so yeah. yeah, I feel like I, to me it feels like those are the three really good teams, and then there everybody else has a real chance, right? And what do you make of the Jazz? I think so. They, you know, experimented with way more threes than ever starting in the bubble, and it was brilliant, right? Right, and and it makes Mike Conley super super valuable. We actually have this. I love this. David Thorpe put the story for True Hoop, which I just love, where he describes the second box, which is not the most complicated concept, but I don't think it's widely known. Which is so he describes like the half of the key that's closest to the rim is the first box. 
then the mm -hmm. other half by the free throw line is the second box. And so, you know, Mike Conley's plus minus numbers are, you know, um, almost MVP level this year, right? And the reason is when you have his speed and handle and, you know, shooting ability and all those shooters around, like he can just, just laser attack the second box all night. Right. Yeah. And so you never know where it's coming. But if, it, if that's where the attack ends up with him, with the ball in his hands, it's easy. Right. Or, you know, and he's also very adept at this little lob to Rudy Gobert. Right. So I just feel like. Right. All that stuff's going to work. Right. That stuff like in their defenses, they're the only team that's like the very top at both ends. Right. So I, I think they're amazing. I think that's probably going to work. It It is a totally inefficient procedure to figure out who's the best. Right. And. Um, I think they're probably, if we're taking lessons from the regular season, like the best team. I think um, the Clippers, I get why they're Vegas's favorite. And um, But yeah, to me, if I had to put money on a team in the West, it would probably be the Jazz. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, if I had to do it, I'd always bet on LeBron James. I'm, I'm, I'm just the this right This year age. too, though? I'm just, I'm just the right age that I can't bet against him. I don't, yeah. I, you know, I don't remember Jordan with hair. Um, so like the best basketball player I've ever seen is LeBron and he seems to have been doing this for two decades. So I'm until he doesn't, I'm going to roll, I'm going to roll with him. At least if it's like my, you know, $10,000 bet or whatever it is. Yeah, I totally get that. I do. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I just, this, this last little spell, right. Where he. He makes the little social media like I'm really real, like hullabaloo, and then you know has to leave the game early and is out. Yeah, the storm the was coming. And I'm like, oh man, this is like this didn't go well, right? This is a long time to be out, and he didn't recover. Like that's a bad injury. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, and and Vogel's like, it's not a setback. And LeBron's like, I felt an acute pain in my ankle for the first time in a month. I was like, well, okay, that sounds like a setback to me. <laughs> Oh, one, I don't, I, I mean, I've had some bad ankle sprains, but like a month and yeah. then, you know, and, and then more like I, that's, that's profound. Some bad happened. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I understand the sort of, um, that this, if you, if there was a year to pick against LeBron, it's certainly this one, particularly if he has to go and play a couple extra games just to get into the playoffs. And then he has to start in, you know, Utah or in Phoenix or something like that. Like that's a long, that is a long, it's just a long, it's a long way to go. Beyond, beyond. So I guess like we're, we're, you know, talking about the top teams in the West. Um, what are your, as a hopeful Blazer fan, I don't know if I can classify you as a hopeful Blazer fan, but as a Blazer fan, sort of where do you see them stacking up in that mix? Like, are you, do you believe they could win a playoff series? Are you kind of like, they've got, you know, what, what's, where have you landed with them? It's been a rough season, right? Like, I feel like I've gone from extremely high expectations to like, shattered right yeah. to rebuilt and shattered again and now rebuilding again um ultimately i would never want to like put a lid on the potential of a sure. alert led team right and um if the threes are falling they'll win every game right um this is the beautiful yeah. thing about shooting this many threes uh and now that there's so many different real shooters on the floor right i mean it's just a lot um, yeah, they've got but, real, they're dynamic on offense in a way that they haven't been. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, you know, there might be like, there'd be five guys who could score 40 points in a playoff series. Right. And, uh, so there'll be some games that they're just going to win. And if they put four of them in a series, they're going to win that series and it doesn't matter who else is there. Right. But right. 
I am, I'm legit confused as someone who's been watching basketball my whole life. Like, why is the defense so bad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's been a little better with Nurk. Is, sorry, go ahead. No, it's been a little better with Nurk, but yeah. like, even then you're talking about them climbing up to being a below average defense. And that feels like something to celebrate when maybe it's more like something to be like, really? They're still like, not like, they're not one of the 15 best defenses in the league still. Yeah, that's kind of where I am, right? Is uh, in my head, and I think, you know, like a couple of years ago, like Nurk is in the game, the defense is actually respectable, right? And right. that, you know, Robert Covington's on this team, Derek Jones Jr. has played a lot of minutes, like, and even with Nurk in the game, it's still not worth a damn. Like, that's pretty shocking. Um, I do think there's a little bit of like, a, a, if you're, so it's like trying to make a basket watertight, Right. Like mm -hmm. if most of the reeds are tight, then adding another like thing to block some water is super valuable. But if there's just holes everywhere, then like it doesn't matter if you block a lot of holes. Right. So like if Nurk's an excellent right. defender, but there's just a hole over here, that hole's called Anthony Simons, by the way. Like then, <laughs> then that's that. Um I did I asked a guy, I, I ended up on a Zoom call in the pandemic with a guy who has known Anthony Simons for years and spent a lot of time with him. And just had a cross day. I was like, Hey, like, you know what's the deal with his defense? And they, you know, he shows up in the stats as like basically the worst defender in the NBA. And um, I was like, what is that about? And he was like, well, like we always thought that, hmm, how do I put this? He's like, well, you might notice that a lot of players his age have a lot more like muscle definition and that comes from working out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I always wondered with Anthony, like, because he never played college basketball, like he probably never went through like a shooting slump and he probably never got like, before he got to the league, he probably never was, he's probably always the best player on the court or darn close to it. And I think, um, that can be a strange developmental curve for you to never, never have been overpowered by like, you know, adults playing in college basketball when you're 19 playing against a 20, you know, four year old sixth year senior or whatever it is. Like, I think, I think it's, it's all, um, his journey has been unique and I think it makes it a little challenging. Yeah. And, you know, Neil Lachey said that thing about he might be the most talented player we've ever drafted or something like that. And, um, he does kind of have a superpower. So like in the, in the Marvel universe, right? He has like the shield or something, right? Which maybe is an inhibition to learn like, you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat or whatever, right? Yeah, like, yeah, there you go. He kind of has a way that he moves, which is like really special on offense, right? He can kind of slide through the lane in a really cool way. And I think he wants to do that, right? You can see him, but then yeah. it took a while to be like, you might need to really shoot threes too, right? You might need to really add all these other parts, which is, you know, to his credit, he has. Like in the, I mean, this, this, tear of shooting he's on is ridiculous right? yeah he's like, just he's just bonkers right now getting a catch and shoot off the dribble any way you any way you can slice it up he's getting to it that's work right he's he's obviously working um it just yeah. he hasn't quite gotten to the like you know the other part yet <laughs> uh henry in your in your professional capacity you've been writing a story that from what i can tell was meant to be like a three-part dive <laughs> into apollo global jeffrey epstein and the nba um and it has now turned into i believe part 11 was was published today with more to come Correct. um yeah. you know tell us sort of about this journey it's available on truehoop.com uh, become a subscriber it's 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 really just the interesting stories that you you want to know and maybe some that you didn't know you want to know but would be fascinated by how did you get how did you get down this path and will it ever end it's a great question um 
So I feel a little bit of an affinity for um, the current Sixers ownership. I, if you go back and look, whenever the hell they bought the team, I broke the story. There's like a little, um, you know, new owners, Josh Harris or whatever. And, sure. um, and you guys sort of have eyes on them. They did some interesting stuff, but you know, and, and like all these billionaires, like, oh, where does the money come from? It's like, oh, you can't even understand. It's too confusing, right? With them too. I didn't know. Um, then it turns out that the Hawks billionaires are from the same kind of source. They're like, all of these uh, a tremendous number of people in and around the NBA in the money world have roots in Drexel Burnham Lambert, which was like an out of business investment firm um, with heyday with Michael Milken in the eighties. And, um, and then a lot of them kind of coalesced after Drexel at Apollo global, which I am calling the NBA's most important source of cash. So, okay, whatever, who cares? Um, there's Adam, Adam Silver's college roommate, is the co-president of Apollo Global right now. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever, it's confusing what they do. They're a private equity firm. They're giant and involved in everything. And they own like Chuck E. Cheese and a bunch of hospitals and um, the former Blackwater. <laughs> like, right, right. So in a way, it's like whatever. But now the world has changed a little bit so that it emerges that, you know, one of the greatest criminals of our age, Jeffrey Epstein, um, was paid $158 million, we learn, from the founder of Blackwater. I mean, not from Blackwater, <laughs> from, of Apollo. So part of me is like, well, shit, what the hell? Yeah. Like, what the <laughs> actual hell? Like, and, you know, I've talked to people before I even started who know about this stuff. And they're like, yeah, the stated explanation of why Leon Black would pay $158 million to Jeffrey Epstein, which is basically for tax advice. Um, is, that's ridiculous. Like it just that amount of money, just that explanation. In a way, when someone gives you an unbelievable story, it's the worst possible thing, right? Because right. now it means that like what they, that means they think they should cover up what happened, right? That's the message <laughs> I get from that, right? Yeah. Like if your kid says like, I, you know, I definitely didn't eat any cookies. It's like, oh crap, what, well, what happened? There's no way nothing <laughs> happened, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like, so anyway, so then I just put on my investigator hat and started with like, well, so what's the deal? And I'm not even kidding. I, so I wrote it, um, you know, we have editors here and the editors went through what was a six part series. And, um, I still have that original like Google doc. Um, but after publishing maybe the first one or two parts, I started getting phone calls and emails and, um, and now it's like impossibly complex and, not even kidding. Like there's a guy on the Apollo board who used to be the executive director of the CIA. And he goes way back with like, you know, all you know, Iran Contra, Blackwater. Um, and then you get into the way money flows during those things and arms dealing and um, the CIA turning a blind eye to like the cocaine trade and it just, I mean, it's just ridiculous where we are now. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'd love to talk about 90 minutes about Adnan Khashoggi, um, pioneering arms dealer. These kind of characters are all part of it. One guy said to me, one guy who is an incredible source, who is directly involved in this stuff and knows it all, said to me that what the real story is, is the greatest crime in American history. Well, when when you read the essays, you do feel like you are you are 
uh, sort of peeling back the layers of the onions to find something that's going to be really bad and really big. So I encourage all my <laughs> listeners out there to go to True Hoop, subscribe, and read this just amazing story that just keeps getting bigger. Um, it's 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 like water, you know. Whatever, it's just filling up whatever thing you pour it into. This story seems to keep uh, taking up the space that you give it. And I want you to know, like, if you do come and subscribe, like. Like you are actually on the journey with me. Like I, we did have a thing that was in a box. <laughs> we did have right. a story, but now it's like, I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know where it's going. I don't know what happened. Right. I, I know a lot. I know a lot more than I've had time to publish so far, but, um, sure. but yeah, it's definitely, and some of it's real. Like, I mean, a lot of it kind of comes down to Ghislaine Maxwell is, you know, in a prison, uh, not too far from where I'm talking to you from right now, like, and her trial will presumably start at some point soon and it's showtime you know there's a lot there's a lot of very important people who are potentially implicated here sure it's uh, so yeah don't wait get the troop now so you can get so you can be on the early part of the journey because uh it's it's a lot of fun uh henry Thanks a lot for for your time and um, for uh, for wading through a couple a couple tech issues on my end to get us here. Look, here's the good news: you know your day is going to get better from here because it really can't get <laughs> can't get much worse. <laughs> That's the good news. Can't get much worse. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I'll, I'll spare the listeners all the details, but I'll just say that Henry incredibly patient for a first time guest, and hopefully that will mean that he's not a one time uh, visitor to this space. Anytime. Yeah. No sweat. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, maybe the Blazers are going on a long playoff run and we can talk about, you know, beating the Nuggets or whatever the important. Exactly. We'll have eight more weeks of winter or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Dear listeners, tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, Tell them they can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. As I'm recording this, Apple Podcasts still still wonky. So find another way to do it because there's there are plenty of others the one i use is an independent podcast app called overcast not wonky no problems no weirdness not a giant corporation experiencing integration issues an independent company that will deliver you podcasts so that's that's my recommendation to you don't rely on apple rely on smaller companies that can be uh you know they they'll their stuff will work appreciate you listening talk to you soon